welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast listened to by the third bros. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother whose middle name is Francis. That would be me, and I'm very proud of it, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother, whose real first name is Roger. That's true. That would be me, Trey Newman. All right, we got a new five-star review on Apple Podcasts, so we're up to 44 five-star ratings, guys. We're 44-0. and 0. Yeah, we are. Perfect record. Unbelievable. Thanks to you, right? Um, so this one came from someone named The New Application Critic, and they said, The CFB bros are a highly entertaining bunch with very creative bits and segments. This Halloween episode had me laughing out loud multiple times. They're worth listening to every week. That was a very good one. It was an excellent review. Yeah. Um, and I know we we ask for this a lot, I think, but really, if there's one way you can help us out, go to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. We really appreciate anyone who takes the time to do that. But let's get into the Week 10 recap, and we'll start with the big game, Alabama, and they dominated LSU 29-0. So, Ryan, go ahead and tell us that uh, the season's over. Alabama's, we should just crown them now? I, why not? It's just save us all the trouble. Might <laughs> as well do it. I mean, there's just not much to say about this game, obviously. Uh, they just dominated like we thought they would, like they have all year. They outgained LSU by almost 300 yards, and just as like you might as well give the national title trophy to, to Bama, you might as well give the Heisman to Tua at this point. It's just, I don't think anybody can catch him. Yeah, the Maybe Tua, Tua is a, a way bigger lock than, than Alabama, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Exactly. Maybe Kyler if somehow Tua falters, but that he's the only one within a striking distance. But uh, the, I think this is the best team I've seen in the last 20 years. I just can't remember a team being more dominant than this. Um, and I think maybe Clemson is the only team that actually has a chance to compete with them. But, I mean, I highly doubt they can beat them, but at least maybe they can share the field and not get completely blown out. Yeah, I think Clemson is – I've seen that they've put the early point spreads at like nine points or something – to me, that seems a little high. I actually think Clemson is, I mean, I think they're behind them. You'd, it, it's hard to argue that they're on the same level, but I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the offense with Trevor Lawrence has been really, really good. They just haven't really beaten anybody. I mean. Yeah, at A&M, but what, they're five and four? With with Lawrence on at the helm. I mean, yeah, fair, but still they're, I mean, NC State, they just murdered them. That's true. And NC State's pretty good. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Anyway. I hope it's true. I hope it's true. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in in this game though, I think I just really underestimated Alabama's defense. I mean, I knew they were good, but my goodness, they just they just dominated LSU. They held them to 12 yards rushing, you know, cuz they had shown to be fairly vulnerable, but but clearly they were just bored with the weaker competition and they stepped up in this one. I mean, you look you watch the game and every play Burrow's just running for his life and LSU's only win in this one was was forcing Tua to throw his first interception of the year. Yeah, yeah of that, he's it, human. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I do want to point out that my bold prediction before the season was that they would win every game in the regular season by double digits, and they're clearly on their way. Wow, you did say that. That was wow. my, yeah. That's a good. That's a very good prediction. Wow. For me, one one thing I hated in this game was 
how conservative at times Ed Orgeron was. You know, you're a two-touchdown underdog against Alabama, and really, it probably became pretty clear fairly quickly that you should have been a bigger underdog. And early in the game, fourth and two at the Alabama 42-yard line, you just got to go for that, right? I mean... You have to. I mean, yeah, but that's Eddie O, that's Eddie o for you, though. How else are you going to beat Alabama without taking chances like that? Yeah, you're not. But like I said, that's Eddie Orgeron's coaching style. Yeah. And they had, I mean, late in the third quarter, down 22 to zero, fourth and eight at the Alabama 38. Got to go for that. It's now or never. And then the worst one maybe was just kicking the field goal with about 11 minutes left in the game, down 22 to zero. That was just giving up semantics it was <laughs> it was I mean, over yeah, they weren't gonna that those decisions <laughs> in the end didn't really matter but uh i do have a few observations from the telecast gary danielson did you guys hear him calling lsu's fans the 11th man oh yeah, yeah what was that all about <laughs> i have no idea but <laughs> that was bad 10 yeah maybe that was the problem maybe lsu had 10 players on the field the whole time Maybe it looked and like then it. that that meme yeah. that girl has become the meme of the century today. Well, yeah. So, what are you guys' thoughts on on that on that girl, the meme? She, I mean, she went legend, and and I saw LSU even made 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 her even more famous by tweeting their own version of that with her. I'm uh, I've got a hot take on this, like a Stephen A. Smith level hot take. All right, I'm I'm anti this girl. I don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> She was so, we were, so my girlfriend and I were watching the game. And of course, we saw that we knew it was going to be become a meme. You knew it was going to go viral. But I don't know all the I like the fan gifts that the fan memes that are organic, you know, like this one was planned. I mean, she's looking at the camera. I th- this is premeditated meme. But I well, but at the same time, like they were getting beat. She was disappointed. All, what are all the other fans doing? They're smiling, laughing, cheering around her yeah. like she was that was a a legitimate kind of look that you would have if you were down 22 to nothing. All right, just let me let me just be irrationally hateful of a girl for doing this. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think I understand what you're <laughs> no. saying though. I think she kind of knew that it could turn into a meme like that. But then her friend, did you see her friend right next to her later in the game did the same thing? Oh. Oh. Oh, really? Yeah, she looked straight at the camera and and they they actually on the telecast brought her up and they're like, "Oh, that face. That's the look of someone who's disappointed, you know?" But anyway, Ryan, you were you were silent there. No thoughts. No thoughts here. Not really. I is that <laughs> okay, is, is that really fair. worth talking about? <laughs> All right, let's. We're spending too much time on this. I'll take that cue, and we'll get to Oklahoma. Surprise, surprise! They were in a shootout in Lubbock, and they won fifty-one to forty-six. Trey, what'd you see here? Yeah, and Oklahoma was able to overcome two early interceptions by Kyler Murray, but from that point on, he he played great the rest of the way, and. They were, but they, Oklahoma was a little fortunate in this one because Alan Bowman only played the first half after having a reoccurrence of the collapse along, uh, which, which was brutal. And, and Oklahoma was trailing at half. The Red Raiders, they had to turn to Jet Duffy and, you know, he shows flashes, but he's not, he's not quite Alan Bowman. But, uh, Oklahoma capitalized, Trey Sermon, Murray, they were great for Oklahoma, but their defense still gave up almost 500 yards. And half of the game was to a backup quarterback. Yeah, the defense was the biggest disappointment for me. You know, it had been it had been two games, I think, without uh, Mike Stoops, and it looked a little better. But they looked like same old Oklahoma here. They were they seemed to fall for every misdirection. Like the the quarterback would look one way, and he'd throw a screen pass the other way, and the guy was just wide open. So same old Sooners defense. But uh, the crazy thing in this game is the difference might have been that pick two. 
I was going to say that, yep. Yeah, towards the end of the game, Texas Tech was down 42-40 to 40 after scoring a touchdown. So, of course, they went for two. And then their receiver, former quarterback Seth Collins, threw an interception. Oklahoma took it all the way back for two points. And so then when Oklahoma scored their next touchdown, it was, instead of a seven-point lead, potentially, it was an 11-point lead and game over. Yeah, it, it, would, it could have been an entirely different game had that they converted there, but... You know, they were, OU was lucky because they even had 10, turn, 10, uh, 10 penalties and those two turnovers, they were minus two. Texas Tech didn't have a turnover. So to be able to escape there, it was uh, quite fortunate for them. But I don't know. I just find the Big 12 really entertaining this year because, you know, OU's kind of come back down a little bit. So it seems like four or five teams up there at the top and there's just not a whole lot separating them. So it's kind of fun to watch. You just don't know what's going to happen. You guys ever get the uh, pick two at Panera? No, I don't go to Panera. Okay. I think that'd be a great sponsorship opportunity for them. I mean, it's it, it's infrequent, but it's very on brand. <laughs> much, it would be much better than the steal a base thing that steal a steal taco. Steal a base, steal a taco? Yeah, that that was bad. Oh. I didn't find You're that. a hater. I like that. Well, Free I taco? Mean, I, I, did you go get one? You know, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. I'm not How, what do you do? Well, actually, no. I think I have done that one time. I did that one time, the steel base, steel taco. But you know how sometimes when you're at a game and, you know, if the team scores 100 points or whatever, you get yeah. a free Big Mac or whatever. How do you redeem that? Do you just go there and be like, I, I was at the game. Can you give me a free burger? Or? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Some some of them, some of them, they it's you use your ticket. And then some of them now it's like on the app. It's like if the if you have that restaurant's app, it's like hey the your team won the game, you get a free Big Mac or whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, there's this. I'm a for for basketball. I'm a Creighton Blue Jay fan, and they have a thing where if they score 75 points, everybody gets free like Godfather's pizza or something. And and like 10, 15 years ago, you know the Jays hardly scored 75, yeah. but now they're scoring 75 every game. So they need to up that. I they do. They, they're still at 75 though. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's move again. Move on again. We got off track. Um, West Virginia beat Texas forty-two to forty-one. This game was insane. There were eight lead changes. Just kept going back and forth. And at the end, of course, West Virginia down by seven. They're driving late. They get up to the line of scrimmage. Clock's running down. It kind of looks like Will Greer either he didn't get the play yet or he doesn't doesn't know what to do. Eventually, they they snap it. They had wasted like ten seconds. Uh, and then Greer has kind of terrible footwork, just hucks it up, ends up being a perfect pass to Gary Jennings in the end zone for a touchdown, dropped it right past two defenders. Uh, and then, of course, Dana Holgerson decides to go for two. And after a couple timeouts, they run a quarterback draw and Will Greer gets the easy run and easy score to, to win the game. And last week, guys, we were throwing out Heisman candidates. We were listing off some names. We forgot about Will Greer. And especially after this game, you got to think, Yeah, at least for me, I think he would be number three behind Tua and Kyler Murray. Ooh, Coug- Cougs aren't going to be happy. They're not, I know. I mean, he's right there too, yeah. Minshew, but Minshew and I don't know. Greer right there. No, Greer's a gamer. And, and like you said, Michael, his feet weren't set on that throw and it was no. just a dime. Yeah, it was it, amazing. It's the throw of the year. I love going for two there. When you're playing with house money and the momentum, end it right there on the road. And like Holgerson said... You have confidence when number seven is your quarterback, and and it worked out worked out there. And on the Texas side, Ellinger played great with he had three hundred fifty four passing three scores. Yeah, um, he was helped out big time by throwing it up for grabs a couple times to allow little Jordan Humphrey catch a few. He uh, he made some big catches, uh, but this game and that two point conversion might be the reason West Virginia gets in the Big Twelve title over Texas. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, also for Texas, that's this is five games in a row now where they've played in a game where it's been decided by six points or less. They just playing in a lot of close games this year. I think it's seven out of nine total. Uh, so they're just living life on the edge. Yeah, it's the it's the way Hogo likes it. Yeah, I mean, I think they're four and three uh, though in those seven games. So they're actually doing solid on that. But um, I'd be surprised if they play at Texas Tech coming up this week. I would be surprised if they weren't in another close battle. Yeah, what were your guys' thoughts on uh, Tom Herman saying that Will Greer's touchdown <laughs> should have been called back for celebration? It was the the two point conversion. Or, sorry, yeah, the two point conversion. Yeah, I thought, I mean, so honestly, I did think about that when I was watching it. Yeah. But that's just like, I mean, you're just grasping at straws, man. Like, come Sour on. Sour grapes, man. Sour grapes. Like, totally is. There was a good article on SB Nation, which kind of broke it down and said, by the letter of the law, you know, the high stepping right before he got into the end zone, you know, yeah, you could have flagged that. But of course, it would have been ridiculous and awful had they done that. And, yeah. uh, and Tom Herman, you know, is one to talk with, uh, you know, mocking Drew Locke last year. And yeah, that when he mocked Locke. Yeah. And I also am am tired of, why can you not do the horns down? I don't, oh my I don't know. Oh gosh. I don't know. They, it's too offensive, they, Trey. It's a sacred, it's a sacred yes. hand gesture. It's just so ridiculous. I mean, and they flagged him for it. I, that was absurd. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did give him a penalty though. I mean, they didn't call back, but they at least gave him a penalty. Yeah. And Texas had a chance there to Getting field goal range. I mean, no that that was like a huge penalty potentially. Yeah, it was. They got it at what, like the forty almost. I, I don't know if it was something like that. Anyways, yeah, they had a shot. All right, you guys want to want me to bash the uh, LSU girl again or no? Or should we move <laughs> on or just carry on? <laughs> I think we're okay. All right, we'll just move on. All right, fine. Yeah. Uh, Michigan beat Penn State forty-two to seven. So Ryan is is Jim Harbaugh still overrated? <laughs> according to the college football bros he's never been overrated um but this is just another game where it's really not not really not a whole lot to say michigan completely dominated trace mcsorley and that penn state offense it was 42 to nothing before the nittany lions scored a meaningless touchdown there at the end uh, with uh, tommy stevens at quarterback um shea patterson he really didn't have to do much just because they dominated on the ground um but he was very efficient in the passing attempts he had and you know right now michigan is far and away the best team looks like the best team in the big 10 and i don't know maybe maybe they're that third team behind alabama and clemson overall yeah i would throw them right in there with uh along with georgia and maybe oklahoma too but yeah Ooh, Are, irish no i don't think notre dame's as good as those teams yeah they just beat in michigan my yeah. i know i know notre dame beat michigan so you gotta yeah. have the head to headers <laughs> saying that but i think michigan's better than notre dame I, I agree. I if I'm the playoff committee, I'm I think I put Michigan third this week, but that's just me. Mm. Now, resume wise, I'm not sure I would, but regardless, um, yeah, the team is looking really good, and I think they're only going to get better because Rayshon Gary returned from injury in this game, so the defense, which seems impossible, maybe just got even better, and then the offense too. The Tariq Black has been he's been in the last couple of weeks, kind of not doing much. This week he he did have a 41 yard catch, which was called back for holding but he's showing flashes and i to me he's by far their best receiver i was really concerned for their season when he went down but they've been able to manage without him but now that he's back and, and donovan people's jones has stepped up so yeah he's gotten know. better he's gotten better that's with, helped with him and black it gives them pretty solid punch yeah and uh nico collins is that the the other receiver he's he's pretty good too but um there's gonna be a lot of weapons now for for yep. patterson yep yeah, and their defense. I mean, no one does that to a McSorley offense. 
they had a 38 to 22 minute time of possession advantage. That's just absurd. And, you know, I think, uh, I think we all agree, guys, and we're on board that Harbaugh is underachieving and might be on the hot seat, I think. <laughs> that, that whole, I'm, I think all of us are very happy this redemption for Harbaugh because I didn't think he had anything to explain anyway. No, like the last no. three years, I think have gone great overall. So, Nice to see year four. That narrative can go away, at least for the time being. Just some unlucky moments he had. Yep. Uh, Have I mentioned that I have Michigan 70 to 1 to win it all? You're going to (laughs) lose. But I mean, you get great great value now. Great value, Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Next game Georgia dominated Kentucky 34 to 17, clinched their spot in the SEC title game. Alabama also, we didn't mention, clinched their spot as well. So. That's going to happen. What'd you take from this game, Trey? So I'm not going to pile on Kentucky and say I told you so because because Georgia's really good. And yeah, yeah, Georgia put them in their place. But Kentucky's sitting at seven and two. And if they want us to really respect them, then go win your final three games against Tennessee, Middle Tennessee and Louisville. Ten and two would be an outstanding year for Kentucky. Yeah, that'd be amazing. But uh, but back to this game would be bad losses if you look at it. Right. That's what I'm saying. So, but back to this game, Georgia made a point to not let Benny Snell and the run game beat them. They held Kentucky to 2.4 yards per rush, but surprisingly, <laughs> got to give him credit, Terry Wilson was 23 of 29 for 226 and he didn't throw a pick. So that was a little surprising, but um, Georgia against that stout Kentucky defense, they ran the ball 50 times for 331 yards. That was impressive. Yeah, we have all talked about that the last several weeks for about Georgia. If they're at their best is when they're running the ball mostly and keeping Jake Fromm's uh, passing attempts down and clearly didn't have to throw the ball much here. Um, their offensive line was opening up huge holes for their running backs, which was great to see if you're an, you're an UGA fan because that is a great defense that Kentucky has. So um, it's definitely a step in the right direction. And they have two top 10 wins in a row now. You know, they beat Florida and Kentucky, so um, both away from Athens. So it's uh, very encouraging and hopefully... They're going to have a shot in the SEC title game now. Yeah, I mean, I, who knows what the spread in that one will be? I'm sure right now it's yeah, like they're they're playing better than you know. It's like that 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 loss they had earlier was a little alarming, but now rebounding just nicely. Yeah, and I'm impressed with you guys both brought up the uh, the running game, and it's really impressive to me because they've had so many injuries and guys getting nicked up on the offensive line. Of course, Ben Cleveland still out with a broken leg in this game. Cade Mays had to leave the game with. I think a shoulder injury uh their center lamont gilliard hurt his knee early in the game of course that reared its ugly head with some uh bobbled snaps but uh anyway offensive line should be a mess but they were great 6.6 yards per carry this game so that's impressive if they can get fully healthy for that sec title game then yeah ryan who knows but let's move on to notre dame remaining undefeated beating Northwestern 31-21. to And Ryan, why don't you give us a, a brief recap of this game, and then I want all of us to go around and say whether we think Notre Dame's going to go undefeated. All right, well, Notre Dame really controlled this one, and it probably shouldn't have been as close as it ended up being, uh, but a block punt that led to a Northwestern touchdown kind of kept this one interesting. Ian Book, though, he was outstanding. He threw for 343 yards, two touchdowns, and he was also Notre Dame's leading rusher with 56 yards, so... The Irish just continue to roll. It was closer than probably should have been, though. Okay, so now, what do you think, Ryan? Are they going to win their final three games? They've got Florida State at home, and then against Syracuse at Yankee Stadium, and then at USC. 
Yeah, I do think they'll finish uh, 12 and 0. With Florida State, it's not going into South Bend and winning this week. Uh, Syracuse is the one that I think will be tough because they're they're actually playing pretty well, and Dungey Dungey could beat them through the air, but I don't, I don't see USC beating them. So it, I do, I see them going 12 and 0. I don't think any of those teams have good enough defenses to to really shut down the Irish. Yeah, you know, Florida State, they're they're kind of a joke and and argue USC could <laughs> wow. Well, I mean right <laughs> now. True, but, yeah, they're USC they're getting... and in that game USC could be playing in in Helton's last game. Um but I it is amazing. I never thought that you when you looked at this three-game stretch that you'd say Syracuse would be their toughest game. Uh, true. It's, yeah, it's pretty remarkable and I and I agree. I think Syracuse is the toughest game. Maybe at USC, but but Syracuse right now. So do you think they're going to go 12 and 0? Oh, sorry, I didn't make the prediction. I'm saying <laughs> yes, they go 12 and 0. Okay. So I'm going to let I'm just going to look at FPI here. So FPI has Florida State 61st, Syracuse 40th and USC 42nd. Does that all sound reasonable to you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's got Notre Dame as the eighth best team, which to me sounds pretty reasonable. Um so if you look at their numbers, Notre Dame has a 55% chance of losing a game. Wow. So it's still, according to them, at least an underdog to go 12 and 0. Um, I'll say Syracuse gets them. That's the one you guys mentioned as the most likely. And then as a one loss team, what do you think? If they went up against Michigan, so say Michigan goes 12 and 1, wins the Big Ten, and it was down to those two, who would get in? I, Michigan. Yeah, I don't see how they could keep Michigan out. That would be a screw for them. Well, I agree, but people, the head-to-headers would, would get in there and be very upset. Yeah, exactly. But that, the, the playoff committee is not head-to-headers. So. Yeah, which I'm happy about. Yeah, they're good. Um, okay, That's, that should be our, a new kind of insult, head-to-headers. Okay. Yeah, I, I got what you were saying. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, time for the rapid recaps. Ryan, you're up first. All right, first game here, we got Temple and UCF. This one was on Thursday. Not much defense played here. Uh, UCF won 52-40. to Mackenzie Milton had another great game, throwing for over 300 yards and three scores. And this extends their winning streak to 21 games now, so quite a remarkable run for them, and it'll likely be 22 next week as they host Navy. And then we got Pitt at Virginia. This one was played on Friday, and of course, as soon as Virginia gets ranked and I start talking them up a little bit more, people start giving them props. They go and lay an egg and lose 23-13 to to Pitt. Stopping the run was a major issue for them in this one. Pittsburgh running back Darren Hall ran for 229 yards and three touchdowns. And believe it or not, Pitt is now the favorite to win the ACC Coastal Division and where they'll get blown out by Clemson in the title game. So <laughs> Probably. Probably. But it's crazy. They're 4-1 they're and, and the Coastal is just horrible. It is. Um, my next game is Nebraska at Ohio State. Buckeyes were able to hang on late and uh, beat the Huskers 36-31, but they could have easily lost this game. Nebraska turned it over in the red zone on a backwards fumble from, or a backwards pass from Adrian Martinez that ended up being recovered by Ohio State. Then they barely missed a deep ball to J.D. Spielman. That would have put them in position to go up by two scores. So to me, this was Ohio State's last chance to show that they were going to be a legit playoff team and legit playoff contenders coming off of a bye going up against a 2-6 and team. They should have dominated, but they didn't. The Buckeyes just aren't that great this year. They're not They're not playoff contenders. Um, then my last game is Iowa at Purdue. Purdue was able to win 38-36 on a last-second field goal. Um, and this was an evenly matched game all the way through. Uh, but Purdue is uh, able to stay alive in the Big Ten West race. 
Although this was a great result if you're a Northwestern fan, as they now have a commanding lead in that division. Okay, my first game is Texas A&M at Auburn. I'm not really sure how Auburn won this. I didn't watch much of this game. They were outgained 421 to 278, and they only had 19 yards rushing. But Kellen Mond had two turnovers. Auburn had zero. And Jarrett Stidham had a solid game through the game-winning touchdown pass with about a minute left to win 28 to 24. Next game, Utah lost at Arizona State 38 to 20. Arizona State now 3-3 three and three in conference, and they somehow control their destiny in the South. Manny Wilkins, Eno Benjamin, and Nikhil Harry continues to be one of the best quarterback, running back, wide receiver trios in the country. But the bigger story is not just Utah's loss, but their, their injury of Tyler Huntley at quarterback. He's out for the season with a broken collarbone. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal end to, well, not end, because they could still win the South, but really kind of... It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough now. And and either way, they're just not going to be nearly as good as they, they should have been. Yeah, no. He, Huntley was playing well. Uh, and freshman Jason Shelley will take over. Next game, Clemson beat Louisville 77-16. to And I don't care how bad Louisville is. When you rush for 492 yards on 13.3 yards per carry, that's impressive. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah. So thank goodness for Clemson at least giving us one team that we can talk ourselves into being near Alabama's level. Yep. Missouri dominated Florida on the road 38 to 17. Felipe Franks got benched and it looks like Florida is farther away than we thought from from really being back. Missouri though is I think one of the more underrated teams in the country. They lost two coin flip games against Kentucky and South Carolina and then they had to play against Alabama and Georgia. So yeah, they're a pretty good team. They might end up going eight and four. Best four loss team in the country. <laughs> I yeah, I haven't checked on that, but I'll agree. <laughs> Maybe A and M. Yeah. The first game I have is Cal at Washington State. Cal almost was able to sweep the Washington schools in back to back weeks, yeah. but came up just short against the Cougs, nineteen to thirteen. Wilcox's Bears have played great defense recently, and they held Garner Minshew in check for most of the night until until he led a couple clutch late drives to get the win in the final minutes. My only question about this for Cal was bringing in Brandon McIlwain. He ended up Ooh. throwing a game-changing interception in the end zone in the fourth quarter, so it was a good escape win for the Cougs. Yeah, my, one of my favorite plays of the weekend was Washington State fumbling into the end zone. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, that was, yeah. Great play. Great play. That, that almost ended up winning the game for Cal, but yeah. Um, next game, Florida State at NC State. NC State won this 47-28 to and was the latest team to punk the Seminoles. The silver lining for the Seminoles is, is that James Blackman threw for 421 yards and four touchdowns, but NC State held the Noles to 24 yards rushing, and the Seminoles had 16 penalties in this one ugly oh man fsu has qualified for a bowl game every year since 81 and they have to win two out of the two out of their last three to do that they that faced happening. they faced all ranked teams notre dame boston college and florida so it's a it's an uphill battle but uh we'll see if they can do it next boston college at virginia tech bc won this one 31 to 21 aj Dillon tweaked his ankle but backup travis levi ran for 75 yards and two scores after being down 14-7 at half, the Eagles outscored Virginia Tech 24-7 in the second half. The Hokies lost another game at Lane Stadium and have been disappointing now at 4-4, at four four, but 
due to pathetic play in the Coastal Division, they're still technically alive. And to their credit, though, they have been decimated by injuries on the defensive side. Finally, Stanford at Washington. Washington held on for dear life to win 27-23 to after nearly blowing a 21-0 halftime lead. K.J. Costello threw three picks but battled back with 347 yards and almost let a comeback until their final Hail Mary attempt failed. Miles Gaskin returned from injury and had 148 on the ground. The Huskies stay alive in the Pac-12 North. All right, let's get to our segments. We have two segments this week. The first one is saying goodbye. Uh, so Kansas has fired David Beatty, of course. End of an era. End of an era, quite an era. He, he'll he coach the rest of the season, so it's actually not quite the end. Uh, but then he's out the door. And, of course, this year is fresh in mind. We all know David Beatty got three wins. They were slightly better, but I guess not good enough to keep his job. But let's take a moment to remember his tenure before this year and and list off his FBS wins from 2015 through 2017. Uh, so I guess we'll go around in a circle and do this. Ryan, uh, you will start. Okay. Texas. Okay, that's it. Yeah. All right. Good. That was that was <laughs> a nice nice trip down memory lane. It was a great it was a great program changing win. <laughs> uh, all right. So their athletic director Jeff Long said on Twitter. Our search will find an experienced head coach, a head coach that is a proven program builder and strong recruiter, a head coach that is an established leader of men, both on and off the field, and a head coach who is committed to breaking the cycle for KU football. So with that said, who do you guys think uh, Kansas is going to hire? Who do you think they should hire, I guess? Well, I've heard Belamuth being thrown around there because he was with Long at Arkansas. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, another rumor Another rumor has been Les Miles. Miles was in the Big 12 with Oklahoma State, so it wouldn't be completely random to get him. But personally, I don't think a guy like that would be good to rejuvenate a program. Um, I would think they need someone with more youth and charisma um, as opposed to maybe some long-established coach. But uh, So I don't have an opinion. I would just – I'd rather them lean against a Bielema or a Miles. Yeah, I agree. I, I wouldn't want to go the – I mean, Miles would – I mean, he would bring them attention, though, probably better recruiting. So I I think it's somewhat of a highish floor, maybe compared to some other guys. But I agree, Trey. I don't think the upside's there with a guy like Les Miles. Um, If if you are going young guy, I would say Seth Luttrell uh, from North Texas. He's done an amazing job there. Started his career as a grad assistant at Kansas. So I think that'd be a great hire. Yeah. I was thinking of a couple names like that. I was thinking of a guy like, just to bring some uniqueness, like Chad Lunsford. He's Georgia Southern's head coach. He's having a great year there. Just running, you know, he's got a great unique offense that might be able to give KU a little bit of an advantage. Well, so then, uh, yeah, you could Jeff Munkin from Army, Ken Niamatololo. You could throw those guys out there. I know. Yeah, exactly. Willie Fritz. Um, yeah. Or I, I think maybe a guy like Bill Clark from UAB. Yeah. He's had yeah. two insanely good years in a row now which is remarkable but uh you know he's he's built a program from nothing so yeah literally <laughs> yeah be, yeah literally so i don't know i think those would be some options or well there's or your boy well yeah of course this was yeah lane kiffin yeah i mean yeah, i think that would go. be a grand slam hire i mean oh, he'd, that that would be fantastic for K. he'd make them relevant he'd upgrade the talent i mean come on like that would be great yep 
The, the, I don't think Jeff Long would do that, though. It doesn't seem like, especially even just based on that tweet, that doesn't sound like Lane yeah. Kiffin. <laughs> the leader of men. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like Lane no, Kiffin. Not quite. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Les Miles is getting the most attention, so. That would be all right, I, I, I guess think. if I had to guess right now, I'd choose him. I would, if I was KU, I think I'd be satisfied with that. Okay. That's the longest we've ever spent on Kansas. Yeah, true. Uh, next segment is the Clairvoyant Bros. So we're going to give the college football world a psychic reading. I don't know if we've, have we mentioned on the show that we, we all have psychic abilities? Um, I don't think so. Okay. I don't yeah, think we so like either. to keep that kind of private. Yeah. Well, let's, let's this sort of our coming out party here. We're uh, <laughs> going to tell everyone what we've all seen in our latest visions. Are you guys ready? Yep. Let's do it, Mike. Oh, wow. I can really feel the, can really feel the spirits. Can you guys, can you feel that? My visions are coming, I think. Wow. I'm seeing things very clearly. Uh, I'm looking into my crystal ball right now. And I'm seeing USC very clearly. Of course you are. They're going to win the Pac-12 South. They've got Cal at home and at UCLA. They're going to win both of those. They'll be 6-3. and three. All they need is ASU to lose once in their next three games. That's going to happen. And then they need Utah to lose either at home to Oregon or at Colorado. I'm just flipping over a tarot card. I'm seeing a giant duck. It's eating a grain of rice. Rice eccles. Okay, Oregon's going to beat Utah. Wow. Okay. And USC wins the Pac-12, Pac-12 South. Very nice, Mike. Very nice. Don't thank me. Thank the spirits. That's true. I will say that Iowa State will have to cancel a second game this season. They scheduled Incarnate Word for December 1st in order to make up for their canceled game against South Dakota State earlier in the year. But they will have to do this because they will be playing in the Big 12 championship game. That's a great vision. Great vision. Ah, yes, 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 yes. Similarly, staying in the Big 12, I have another vision. A vision that West Virginia will beat Oklahoma on November 23rd in Morgantown, and lots of couches will be burned. Mm. Mm. However, the very next Saturday, they will lose the Big 12 championship game, leaving the Big 12 out of the playoff. Mm. I can see that. I see that too. Yeah. My next vision is that Utah State will get the New Year's Six bowl bid. I actually had a dream last night that De'Eric King took down UCF in the AAC championship game, which left it down to the winner of Fresno State and Utah State in the Mountain West championship for that New Year's Six spot. And the spirit of Stu Morrill came to me and he said that Utah State is going to pull off the win and their strength of schedule will get them in over UCF. Mm. And I said, Stu, I already knew that because I'm a psychic. <laughs> Stu, we love Stu. We love Stu. Love Stu. Well, I've been thinking and I've been getting a very dark feeling about oh. this one. It's oh, no. something evil. Oh. Yeah, something coming from hell like the devil. Oh. I think it has to do with the sun devils. Yeah. Mm. I think... They are won the Pac-12 South, and they will represent in the Pac-12 championship game and win, and they'll beat the Cougars of Washington State. Oh no, our vision! There must be something wrong in the spiritual realm. Our visions are Their visions are clashing, conflicting. I know something evil is just taking over me, and I cannot oh my goodness. cannot stop it. 
<laughs> Finally, this will be the first year where the playoff is very predictable as Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan will run the table and be in the playoff. Hmm. Really, the, for us, the, the playoff is predictable every year. It's true. But the layperson, I guess you're referring to. Of course. All right, I think that was a good reading, you guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a little shaken, but uh, <laughs> I think I'll get through it. Dark spirits, right? Yeah. Yep. Wow. It's, happens sometimes, you know? <laughs> uh, okay, well, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> to week 11. Uh, all right, so week 10 was a huge week. Obviously, we had a ton of big games. It was a loaded slate. This week, not so much. No, nah, it's weak. No. But we've got a few matchups here. First one, Ohio State is a three and a half point favorite at Michigan State. Trey, what do you see here? I know Ohio State isn't what they were earlier in the season, but I'm going to give them one more shot in this one. Michigan State, they went back to Lewerke versus Maryland. He didn't do much, but their running no. game and de- and but the running game and the defense were were solid. But I feel like in order to beat Ohio State, you have to have good quarterback play, and I think. They're going to need the worky to do that. And I just don't trust him to, to match wits with Haskins and the Buckeyes. And the Buckeyes running game has been there, has been down this year, but it was resurgent against Nebraska as Dobbins and Weber uh, seem to run it well. So I'm going to lean to Ohio State. I'm giving them one last shot and they're going to stay alive in the Big Ten East. All right. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you here, Trey. I'm not going to give the Buckeyes the benefit of the doubt right now. Um, just the last last couple of games, it just hasn't been pretty and just don't have that much confidence. I think Sparty, with their stout run defense, will be able to hold them in check because Ohio State has not run the ball very well this year. And they did it decent against Nebraska, but not good enough to make me think they're going to run over Sparty. And I know Sparty's not going to be able to put up a ton of points themselves, but I think they'll manage to make enough to pull out the victory. So I'm, I'm going to take Michigan State. I agree with you, Ryan. Um, it's Right now, I just... I can't pick Ohio State on the road to beat a good team. So taking Michigan State and as frustrating as Lewerke was last week, Trey, you brought it up. The running game was really good with Connor Hayward. The defense was incredible. 0.8 yards per carry allowed and 3.1 yards per pass attempt. And this was all against Maryland, who's not terrible. Um, no, they're not. Per Massey Peabody's game grades, the top team performances from last year were out from last week, sorry, were Alabama, Clemson, Michigan, and then fourth was Michigan State. So played really well last week there. I think at least the defense is playing really well. I'll uh, I'll say they get the win here. Next game, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Sooners are a 17 and a half point favorite. What do you think here, Ryan? Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for uh, the Cowboys and Norman. They, they've they given up at least 31 points in every Big 12 game other than Kansas. Uh, so I'm, th- <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking Kyler Murray and that great OU offense are going to be able to put up, you know, at least 50, maybe even more uh, on that Oklahoma State defense. And I just don't think, you know, the Cowboys have a good offense, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace. So uh, I, I could see like a 55-30 type of win for, for OU here. Yeah, it's, it kind of depends on which Oklahoma State shows up. They've been hit or miss, especially offensively this year. Um, but the last time an unranked Oklahoma State team played against a ranked Oklahoma team was four years ago, and Oklahoma State had lost five straight, but Tyreek Hill returned a punt 92 yards for a touchdown with under a minute left. 
to force overtime. Cowboys won by three in that game. I don't see that happening here. Uh, Oklahoma State's <laughs> only road win this year was at Kansas, and they got blown out at Kansas State. So I just think the Sooners coming home look a lot better this week. Yeah, I it would truly be bedlam if the Pokes knocked off the Sooners here. Yes, it would be. Uh, Oklahoma State, they give up almost 400 yards per game. So I think Murray and Sermon are going to go wild. They'll get their yards and points. Yeah, I think Cornelius will be able to move the ball and get some, but nowhere near enough to knock them off. So I like the Sooners given all these points. Okay, the biggest game of the day, maybe, is Clemson at Boston College. Game day is going to be at this one. Uh, Clemson's an 18-point favorite, though. I feel like people kind of forgot about Boston College. Uh, They lost to Purdue early in the year when it looked like Purdue maybe wasn't very good. But overall, they're 7-2 and now, 4-1 and conference. And if they somehow pull off the upset here, I've got a good chance to win the Atlantic. But a few weeks ago, I, I stopped picking against Alabama, and that seems to have served me well. I've reached that level with Clemson, too. I just I can't pick against them. They've won their last four games by an average score of 60-9. to Nice. And Trevor Lawrence, it is kind of nice. Trevor Lawrence playing great, running games dominant with ETN. Obviously, the defense is them in Michigan, two best in the country. And they're just built to beat Boston College. They're built to stop A.J. Dillon with that D-line. And if A.J. Dillon even plays, of course, you mentioned, Trey, he tweaked his ankle last week. And if Anthony Brown is forced to beat you through the air, you're probably... Not good. That's just probably not going to happen. So I see a blowout here, and I'm going to make Clemson my lock of the week. Yeah, I I'm I have some similar sentiments as you, Michael. I mean, good for Boston College to have a great year and they're still alive in the the division in early November, but it's going to end here. You know, last week Georgia gave Kentucky a dose of reality. I think this week Clemson's going to do the same to the to BC. And they're on Clemson just seems to be on cruise control to the playoff and they have the second ranked defense according to S&P Plus. So, Anthony Brown, like you said, there I mean, I don't see him beating him through the air. Um, to his credit, he's been better this season, but yeah. tall tasks. So I'm, I'm like you. I'm not going to go against Clemson as they've they've just been decimating people. Yeah, after that Syracuse scare, Clemson has just completely been a different team, and you know I don't see how BC is going to be able to keep this one close. I agree with Michael. I think uh, this is going to be a blowout, um, and this is also going to be my lock of the week. Two weeks in a row, Ryan, we've picked the same lock. Yeah, let's not mention what we picked last week. <laughs> Oklahoma yeah okay but i like the way you said that (laughs) um okay time for the honorable mentions trey what do you got all right i've got number 16 fresno state is currently a three-point favorite at boise state this game is on friday night fresno state has new year's six aspirations so this is almost a must-win game for them in that regard and marcus mcmarion is the best quarterback you haven't heard about He's completed 70% of his passes, has a 20-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, ratio, and since their close, tough loss to Minnesota, the Bulldogs have dominated everyone, thanks in part to their top-10 defense. Boise's playing with fire lately. They were lucky to escape BYU, thanks to a goal-line stand. This is one of the games I'm most looking forward to this weekend, and I like the Bulldogs this year. I'm going to ride them here as my lock of the week. This, and this is the first time Boise has been an underdog at home since 2001. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Dan Hawkins era. Yeah. That's wild. Crazy. All right. Next, number 18, Mississippi State at number one, Alabama. Alabama is currently a 25-point favorite. 
Usually when you have a top 20 team, you're not almost a four-touchdown underdog. Alabama obviously clearly looks head and shoulders above everyone, but I think Mississippi State is catching Alabama at a good, as good of a time as they could. Highly emotional win at LSU. They might have a slight letdown here. Not to mention Mississippi State has the fifth-ranked defense, so they could possibly slow Tua and Co. down just a bit. Fitzgerald's going to struggle, but maybe they can run the ball and uh, and cover here. So I'm going to take Mississippi State to cover. Oregon at Utah. Utah minus three and a half. Obviously brutal for Utah to lose Huntley to the broken collarbone. Looked like they could be a, a possible Pac-12 champ. It's going to be a lot tougher with Jason, Jason Shelley leading the offense. Um, but Oregon isn't too stout on the defensive end, so look for the Utes to lean on Zach Moss. I'm going to lean, though, with Oregon and Herbert, and I'm going to make Shelley beat me. Finally, Wisconsin at number 21, Penn State. Penn State's an eight-point favorite. Who would have thought that this would be just another average game? Wisconsin has been disappointing. Alex Hornibrook is questionable in this one. Penn State is in free fall right now. Granted, they have lost to some solid teams. I think McSorley and the Lions offense will pick it back up against these shaky Badgers and easily be able to outscore them without Hornibrook. I'll take Penn State. Okay, my first game is Auburn at Georgia. Georgia's a 14.5 point favorite. We all kind of wrote Auburn off, and you know maybe for good reason, but they're a Cole Tracy field goal away from being 7-2 and two right now, so things aren't quite as bad as they looked early. But I think Georgia's hitting their stride right now. Their O-line proved they can dominate against a good D-line last week, and their pass rush, which has been kind of a weakness all year, finally showed up against Kentucky. I think Georgia wins easy and covers at home. Next game, Virginia Tech at Pitt. Pitt's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And after a good start to the season for Virginia Tech's defense, Trey, you mentioned they've had some injuries, but they've just been getting gashed on the ground lately. And that's not good when you're going up against the one-two, pen, one-two punch of Darren Hall and Quadri Ellison of Pitt, two very good running backs. So I like Pitt to win, and that means they'll be very likely to win the Coastal and, like you said, Ryan, get crushed by Clemson. Yep. Uh, South Carolina at Florida. Florida's a seven-point favorite. South Carolina's defense this year has been kind of bend but don't break. I think it may have broken last week against Ole Miss. They gave up 44 points and took a couple more injuries at safety, which was already a really thin position as it was. So I think whether it's Felipe Franks or Kyle Trask, Florida's going to have some success through the air and get the win and cover. My last game is Baylor at Iowa State. Iowa State's a 14.5 point favorite. If they win out and West Virginia loses just one more game, Ryan, as you said in your vision, that would mean Iowa State makes it to the Big 12 championship. So they still have a ton to play for. And since Brock Purdy's been named the starter, they've probably been maybe one of the 15 or so best teams in the country. They've looked really good. So yeah, they really I have. think they'll blow out Baylor. I agree. All right, I'm going to start with uh, number 10, Washington State. They're a six-point favorite uh, in Boulder at Colorado. After starting the season 5-0, and the Buffaloes have lost four straight, uh, but they've been competitive in all those games, and I think they'll do the same thing here and keep this one close, especially since the Cougs, even though they're winning, they aren't doing it you know, by a lot of points. They're just barely covering some of these games. So I, I do think the Cougs will win. Gardner Minshew will, win, will work some magic late, but uh, the Buffs will cover. Moving on to Northwestern at Iowa. Iowa's a 10-point favorite, so even though Northwestern is clearly in the driver's seat to win the division, they're a double-digit underdog in this one. And I actually do like Iowa. Uh, Northwestern's really struggles to run the ball. 
and they'll be one-dimensional against this good Iowa defense. And I just don't think Thorson is good enough or healthy enough to pull this one off. So I'm taking uh, Nathan Stanley and the Hawkeyes to cover. Is it Nate or Nathan? Do we just do? Who we? knows? Nobody okay. knows. All right, we should ask Beth. All right, Florida State at number three, Notre Dame. Notre Dame's an 18-point favorite, and Florida State has been dominated two weeks in a row here, and I don't see how they're going to go to South Bend and keep this one competitive. Ian Book and the Irish will have a field day against that Seminole defense, and they'll shut down the Seminole offense on the other side and win big. Then finally, we got number 15, Texas, who's a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now uh, at Texas Tech. Big question in this game is whether or not Alan Bowman will be back um, after leaving last week's game at halftime. I'm in the thinking that he won't. Seems like a pretty serious injury to re-aggravate. So I, I think it'll be Jet Duffy, um, who I don't think is nearly as good. So that's why I'm going to take the Longhorns in this one. Okay, that does it for week 11. Let's close out the episode, as always, with a questionable finish. UCLA at 2-7 and seven, still has a path to win the Pac-12. What's something in your life that you're behind the eight ball on but still hope to achieve? All right, I'll start this off. Um, you know, the older I get, the greater desire I have to travel. And I want to see pretty much all of the countries in Europe. And I have yet to go there, so uh, I'm definitely behind the eight ball there. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd say but, so. Yeah, well, you know, but I'm planning on going there this coming summer, so that'll at least get me started. All right. So for me, it's, you know, I don't have any advanced math background at all. I don't know any programming languages, but I want to build my own college football rating system. Mm. Yeah, that'd be cool. So completely unqualified, but we'll see if it happens. Mm. What are you going to call it? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. You'll think about that one. Michael's rating system. Oh, that that's, I need to work on that. Yeah. 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 I'm going to lean. Uh... S&P double plus. <laughs> It's that much better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Two pluses. I'm going to I'm going to say at my age and a lot, a lot of my friends they're having kids and I'm uh, some have multiple kids. I, I don't I don't have any obviously. You're going to go this this uh, way, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm not even married at this point, uh, so I'm a little behind the eight ball there. Uh, so I'll say the the kids route and and your fishes don't swim too well. Whoa! Oh, that's whoa! That's on. That how, you, how do you know that? How would you know that? <laughs> All right, moving on. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Just some brotherly banter. Uh, James Carville went on College Game Day with the message that the SEC intentionally calls targeting on players to make things easier for the Tide. What sports-related conspiracy theory does a part of you actually believe? So I don't know how old our, most of our listeners are, but. Uh You've probably read about it, the, the 1985 NBA draft, the the possible rigging of the, the draft order to have the Knicks get the first pick. So the that frozen they could, envelope? Yeah, the frozen envelope so that they could get Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and, yeah exactly. Know, part, of me, part of me kind of believes it. I, I'm, not, I'm not against it. <laughs> yeah, mine is also the NBA. I guess it's ripe for conspiracy theories. I think Michael Jordan didn't just decide to play baseball he was secretly suspended for two years by david stern for betting on basketball yeah yeah we're we're gonna this is an nba themed one here i definitely agree with those two maybe not so much the michael jordan one <laughs> okay although it's fishy i agree with trace uh but i think the nba rigged game six of the 2002 western conference finals to to let the lakers beat sacramento if you if you rewatch that like fourth quarter of that game wow it's it's hard not to think that there's something fishy going on there. Something Derek fishy? 
Very fishy. Derek fishy? And kind of hoary, too. Oh. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't really make sense. I don't know. Wow. I was trying to play on Robert Ory, but... All right. Let's move on. This is a family show, guys. <laughs> uh, last last one. It's time for our upset specials, a 7-plus point underdog to win outright. I'm taking UMass to win as 13.5-point dogs at home against BYU. BYU's offense stinks. And UMass's starting quarterback, Andrew Ford, tore his ACL a few weeks ago, which seems like it would be bad. But the backup, Ross Comis, has come in and been even better. He had 540 yards passing last week and six total touchdowns against Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> but still. Liberty. But, yeah. But still, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with him this week. All right. All right. I hit mine last week with Baylor. I had them beating Oklahoma State. Well done. Uh, this week, I'm going to reach a little bit. I'm taking Auburn. They're they're currently a 14.5-point dog to Georgia. This is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Georgia has played back-to-back gig, big games with Florida and, and then at Kentucky. Now they're expected to beat a, a down Auburn squad. And Auburn had a big fourth quarter to come back and beat AM, so maybe they'll regain their, their form in this one. Okay. I'm going to take uh, the Badgers. Uh, they're getting eight right now uh, at Penn State. The Nittany Lions are w- licking their wounds after getting beat down by, by Michigan. I think the Badgers, after coming off of a pretty relatively easy win against Rutgers, uh, will be able to run all over them with Jonathan Taylor. Okay, that does it for our Week 11 preview episode. Uh, before we go, I just have one shout-out, and it's to a team that broke their 20-game losing streak this past weekend. UTEP, yeah. yeah. UTEP beat Rice 34 to 26. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say. There's no, the- more, there's no more winless teams. They were the last one. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so do you guys think Kansas is going to beat K-State this weekend? None of you guys wanted that for your upset special? I thought about it, you know, the, the Sunflower State rivalry, but no. Let me throw out a hypo. Okay, what if, um, if Kansas won out? I, I don't quite know what they're their other games are but say they win out yeah do they and nig on the firing of bd <laughs> yeah would they'd have to rehire him right <laughs> we're talking a lot about kansas football here uh <laughs> i know and it's a ridiculous hypothetical but you couldn't fire him you'd have to rehire him yeah i don't know that's they'd be six and six wouldn't they i yeah i there's three games left so yeah i i guess he would i i mean i i would but i just don't know if they actually would do it can you pull up their schedule, Ryan? Sure. Trey, how was your day? Swell. It was it was swell. What'd you have for lunch? El Pollo Loco. <laughs> the crazy <laughs> chicken. You like nice. Pollo Loco. What uh, did you have for lunch? All right. Um I had Rubios. Ah, Rubios. These are things that people elsewhere in the country probably have never heard of. No, exactly. I had a flame broiler. No way. Of course you did. Shocking. <laughs> you have white rice and uh, white chicken. White rice and chicken. <laughs> yep. Nice. Uh, all right. They have at K-State, at OU, and Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, they have, they'll hire. So, amazing. Yeah, they, they'd rehire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's as brutal a schedule as there is in the country. Uh, all right. So let's let's put Kansas on uh, Kansas watch. All right. Let's see if they can go six and six. You can do it, Beatty. Beatty. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that was well worth the wait, Ryan. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. 
keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.